You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. In today's show, you're going to be hearing from Matt Geiger of MJG Capital. He's a successful younger fund manager in the sector, and his website is mjgcapital.com. Matt, thanks for coming back on the show today. Thanks for having me, Bill. And it's fun to do this new video format. Glad to be back with you. Yes, thank you. All right, let's review your fund's performance in 2020. We touch base about every six months. How did your fund perform this past year? We, we had a great year. Um, I'm sure many of your, your listeners did as well that are involved in this in this space. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to say we had our best year since the fund's uh, inception um, all the way back in 2011. Um, we were up 113% uh, net of uh, fees, um, which, which compared uh, quite, quite well to both the, the TSXV um, and the S&P um, over, the, over the past year. Um, I should also note that just in the past uh, six months of the year, we were up over 100%, uh, which is also a, a record um, for a, for a six-month um, period for the fund. And then I, I should note that our five-year numbers are looking pretty great. Um, I think we're, we're up uh, 600%. Um, over the past five years, and that compares to roughly uh, 80, uh, I think it's, I have the numbers here, 84% for the S&P and the 67% for, for the TSXV. Um, and so I'm pleased with the performance. Of course, it feels good. There's a temptation to get cocky, but uh, <laughs> really, these years are, after these types of years, that's when you want to be more cautious and almost a little bit ner- more nervous as an investor. Um, and so I'm really taking 2021 in stride. I hear a lot of exuberance and bullishness for the, for the new year. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to go into the new year with a level head. And I think your, your listeners would be best advised to do the same. Yeah. And I want to get into next year, but a couple more questions on how you managed your portfolio last year. Did you have some outsized gains in a few stocks or were your wins kind of spread evenly throughout the portfolio? Good, good question. Um, it was actually uh, outsized game, gains from, uh, from a few names. Um, I think on a previous interview that we did maybe in the fall, I'd mentioned the Nova Royalty as, uh, as one of our, our positions. And um, that, that was far and away the best performer of the past six months. Um, and that's a company, for those that aren't aware, um, it's a, a startup royalty company focused exclusively on nickel and copper. So it has a very clean, I think, sexy narrative um, in order to take advantage of this upcoming um, electrification trend that we're seeing around the world. Um, it originally was a bet purely on people. Um, we made the investment in late uh, 2018 at a $4 million pre-money valuation. So it was really at the ground floor. Um, I think in, in uh, dollars and, and cents perspective, it was at $0.25 cents with a, a half warrant at $0.40. Cents. So it was, it was quite early. And, and the reason we did it is because Brett Heath was involved. And uh, it was the people involved in the valuation, um, the business model, and the narrative all, all, all worked for me. And so obviously that uh, position, um, I think it's, it's you know trading close to $4.30 at the moment, um, has absolutely, uh, the performance has exceeded my expectations. But that, that was a large driver of, of performance. Uh, Global Atomic is another name that, that worked uh, quite, quite well for us. Um, we participated in their last placement. And then also fortunately added um, on the open market in early November, really right before the run we, we saw. That was less about uranium and more about the zinc price, which I saw had, you know, jumped close to a buck 30. And I knew that would mean that Global Atomics um, uh, operation in Turkey um, would be printing, printing cash. So that, that was another good one. And then 
one more name I'd say that provided outsized gains would be uh, Kennerland uh, Minerals. Um, that's uh, Zach, Zach Flood's uh, company that actually, uh, to my knowledge, is going public uh, tomorrow um, under the kick, uh, ticker KLD on the, on the venture exchange. And that was another bet on people. We, we made that one more recently uh, at the beginning of 2020 uh, at an $8 million pre-money valuation, I believe. Uh, Zach's a, a very, he's, he's a younger guy, but a very sharp geologist, an honest guy, and also quite good with capital markets. And also he um, has some very good backers um, and people that, that I respect. And so that one has uh, quadrupled, I believe, in, in terms of valuation since our initial investment um, due to the, the discovery they made at their Frotet project uh, up in Quebec with, with Sumitomo. So sorry to, sorry to go through these names you, you asked, but those are kind of the three that, that came to mind that helped power the, the portfolio higher. A name you brought to my attention last year was Northern Crown Metals Corp. Uh, we did the placement and they're also a show sponsor. Uh, why did your fund invest in this company? Yeah, I, I still very much like uh, like Norden Crown. Um, as, as you mentioned, we both participated in the placement. Um, I believe it was back in August, uh, maybe maybe September. It was at five and a half cents, came with a full warrant at uh, 11 cents. Um, that's a company I've actually been following since uh, inception. Um, I should note that that placement was the first time they'd ever offered a uh, full warrant along with a deal. It was also the cheapest price that they'd, they'd done a deal. Um, when they first came out of the gates, I believe it was a 35 cent company. So the valuation has been hit. Um, for those that got involved early, it's, it's not been a big winner for them, um, admittedly. Um, this was, uh, I, uh, that said, I, I like a lot of aspects of the story. Um, the first would be the involvement of EMX, um, which is a longtime fund holding um, or for the MJG fund and um, really high quality royalty company out there. Um, with the ability to organically generate their own royalties and incredible geological expertise. So they're, they're 13% owners of Northern Crown and also originally staked the uh, properties. Um, the two main, one, main ones would be uh, Gumsberg uh, in Sweden and then Burford in, in Norway. And EMX staked these properties during the bear market. So when things were ugly in 2014, 2015, 2016, these assets wouldn't be around to today if, if they started from scratch now. Um, and they basically chose the, the uh, management team for Northern Crown, um, put these assets in, into the company. And um, you have Discovery Upside, you know, a $10 million valuation at the moment. Um, it's actually the only uh, $10 million company in the MJG portfolio right now, which maybe speaks to where we are in the market cycle. So we've seen uh, quite a bit of performance over the past six months. But um, they're cashed up and uh, we, have, we have two exciting um, catalysts coming up here. They're in the midst of drilling their 100% owned uh, Gumsberg project, and uh, we should see 3,500 meters. I think it was 16 drill holes um, over the next couple months. Um, hopefully, first assays coming out in February or early March. And then, meanwhile, up their Burford project, which is a copper gold IOCG system, um, they have Boleden, which is uh, you know Scandinavia's marquee miner, um, earning in for 51% stake for six million uh, US. And while the uh, rigs aren't turning, uh, to my knowledge, as we speak, that could change any any week now. So I like the fact that we'll get two, you know, full drill programs worth of results without Northern Crown having to come back for, for capital. So this one's quite speculative, but, uh, but a name that I'm, I'm quite excited about. And we still hold our, our full position from the placement. 
Fury Gold Mines is a Canada-focused exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable high-grade gold assets with major drill campaigns planned across its 3.5 million ounce portfolio. Fury is led by a management team of proven explorers and developers with a track record of success in advancing and financing project development. Fury Gold Mines is well positioned to create value for investors with low-risk development growth and the potential for a new major discovery. Fury Gold Mines trades on the TSX and NYSE American under the ticker F-U-R-Y. To learn more, go to furygoldmines.com. That's furygoldmines.com. You alluded to some concerns for next year. Talk to us about the key macro trends that you're observing for 2021 and how that might affect us as resource investors. Sure. Well, I would say more optimistically um, in, the, in the resource space, I, I really do feel this energy metal, this green metal, this electrification narrative is, is just getting going here. And it, it really started, at least amongst generalists, with, with the talk we saw from Elon Musk um, kind of late summer, early fall. But now there's been multiple you know, Tesla quarterly conference calls in a row where he's basically pounded the table saying that Tesla badly wants sustainable, um, you know, environmentally friendly nickel supply, and he's willing to pay top dollar for any company out there that's able to supply that. So I think that really, you know, perked up a lot of investors that don't generally uh, follow the mining space all too closely. Um, and then more, more recently, you have uh, Chamath um, from Social Capital. I'm not going to try to pr pronounce his last name, but he's very well uh, respected in Silicon Valley. And just over the past year or two has become, you know, a, a, a very loud voice on, on CNBC and has quite a bit of, of followers. And he, too, you know, just over the past six weeks has been tweeting pretty uh, relentlessly about his excitement about investing in the metals that are going into solutions for climate change. And so that would cover the whole gamut, in, in my opinion, whether it's, you know, copper, or nickel or cobalt or lithium. Vanadium. He he's put money uh, specifically in rare earth uh, metals. Um, he was behind um, the uh, SPAC. Um, I think it's now called MP Materials, but that that's taken the Mountain Pass um, rare earth projects uh, back back into production. So it's interesting to see those that have never been involved with mining in their entire life um, turning their attention uh, to the the green metals to to the energy metals. Um, so that, that's on the positive side. That said, in terms of macro trends or, or you know, the biggest risk I see for next year, uh, it's, the, it's the broader market. Um, I'm, I'm getting quite concerned uh, personally, uh, just seeing the speculative activity that's out there, but both within the junior uh, resource space, but also more broadly, the, uh, the, the froth in the crypto uh, markets, for instance, uh, the fact that, you know, Tesla is up, you know, uh, multiple uh, multiples of its uh, share price that it was at the beginning of 2020. Um, you know, just just a week ago, um, and some of your listeners may have come across this, uh, Jeremy Grantham came out with a pretty concerning uh, piece. He's somebody I respect very much. Um, he's a statistician. Uh, he's seen quite a few market cycles. I think he's in his, his 80s, and he founded GMO. And uh, he was successfully able to call the Japanese bubble in the late 80s, early 90s, the dot-com bubble of the late 90s, early 2000s, and then the great financial crisis in, in 2008. Now, I, I should say as a caveat, he was a bit early for in, on the Japan front and the dot-com front. He did get the timing on the great financial crisis uh, pretty spot on. But the, the gist of, of, his, of his paper is that we are in a full-fledged market bubble. Um, this is an absolute anomaly. And you know, he, uh, he said straight up, he doesn't expect it to, to last beyond late spring 
or, uh, or, or the summer. So it is just one man's opinion. Um, that said, he does have a pretty strong track record. And yeah, based on my anecdotal observations, um, I, I, I kind of agree where, where he's coming from. So it's, it's a weird position to be in, especially for investors like me and you who have, have followed the junior mining market closely. Like we have a very good decade ahead of us, four to five years, 10 years. We have a very good decade ahead of us. Like the pendulum has a whole lot farther to swing back towards hard assets. That said, there's nothing stopping us from losing 40 to 50% of our portfolio in short order if we see a, a large sell-off in the broader markets. And so I'm trying to keep both aspects in, in mind that, yes, we're in a good space and we need to be patient, but also, yes, there could be turbulence outside of our niche of the market that filters in, and uh, we, we could get hit pretty hard, similar to how we did in, in March. So that's also why I'm urging um, caution um, for, for those that are, that are particularly excited about where we're at in the space. In a larger cash position in your portfolio? So, so we're, you'll, you'll see in the investor letter, which I haven't sent out yet. I sent all the reser- results to our limited partners. A uh, letter should be out later, later this, uh, this week, maybe over the, the weekend. Um, we're at roughly 5% cash, which is, which is quite a bit, uh, which is low. Um, going into December, we were at 10% cash, um, but then we exercised uh, two different warrant um, positions. And so that brought it down to 5%. But yes, over the, uh, as we head into the spring and into the summer, um, I could definitely see us getting closer to, to 20, 25% um, cash, uh, j- just, just out, of, out of conservatism. It's not easy to do, especially when all your, uh, your, your holdings are rocking um, and it's, it's, it's painful from an opportunity cost perspective. But just doing the thought experiments in our head, you know, we were up 113% in, in 2020. Um, if we'd been at 30% cash for the entire year, we'd still be up 80%. Um, in 2020. And so, you know, I don't want to get overly greedy if I'm a bit early and a bit too conservative and we have a very similar year to what we did last year, then yeah, I'll leave a little bit of money on the table, but we'll still be rocking from a return perspective. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to not get, get too greedy. Your foundational investors, if I recall, they were locked up for 10 years. Aren't you kind of approaching that 10 year uh, anti-lockup period where they get to (laughs) get access their cash if they want? How are you handling that as a fund manager? You're right, Bill. Um, so the, the key point is that it's, it's an open-ended fund. Um, and so we're at about 30 um, limited partners uh, at current. Uh, we started with seven, I believe, or eight, including, including myself. Um, and so, yes, those original uh, seven, um, their lockup ends, I believe, September of, of this year. So, so it's coming up. Um, that said, we've had you know, close to, to two dozen other investors come in in the, in the year since. And, you know, I'm expecting some significant inflows, and uh, particularly at the end of this month, month and at the end of February, when I'm able to get the results out and kind of talk to, to some people that have, that have been interested in investing. So, yeah, from a, a portfolio management perspective, that's not, that's not causing me much, much issue at all because um, of the partners that may be withdrawing money later this year, um, it's, a, it's a very small percentage of the, of the overall um, AUM. Um, but, yeah, from, from their perspective, um, we'll, we'll see how the portfolio is doing. Um, by the time the ten-year lockup hits, um, if we are, if we're having another 2020-like year, um, I would I would happily go to the partners and say, hey, why don't you take half of your money off the table and you can play with the house's money now? Um, you've been patient, and uh, you know, take it, invest it where where you see fit, or spend it on yourself and leave a little bit more, and let's let's let this thing continue to run. So that's kind of how I'm I'm thinking about things, but that's that's not that's the least of my my concerns at the moment. 
Regarding 2021, one more question. How are you looking at the different commodities? And, and when we talked in the past, I think it might've been two interviews ago, you were 50% at least in the precious metals in terms of the breakdown in your portfolio. What are you percentage wise in the precious metals equities right now? And what other than precious metals, what equity are you most bullish? Sorry, what commodity are you most bullish on? Right, right. So um, I think you're, you're right at the percentages of when we last talked. Um, I will say, especially until the past few months when we started to see some of the energy metals and battery metals run. And that's when we saw Nova's uh, royalty start to outperform, Global Atomic to start to outperform. I'd say in, in August, we were close to 75% weighted towards gold and silver, which is higher than it's, than it's ever been since the fund's inception. Um, even without much selling, just because of outperformance now from the other metals within the portfolio relative to precious metals, it is very close to 50% gold and silver weighted, um, about 40% what I'd consider the, uh, the you know, energy metals, and that would be primarily copper, uranium, um, some nickel, some vanadium, and, and a little bit of rare earth exposure. And then the remainder split, split between you know, agricultural minerals, uh, industrial minerals, and, uh, and, and cash. So that's kind of where we're at in the moment, at the moment, and I'll, I'll highlight that in the, in the upcoming investor letter. Um, I also, you know, I always say this caveat, I think it's important to say, especially if you're focused in the junior space, you'd be much better served as an investor to focus as a, as a bottom-up stock picker. And so from my perspective, I really try not to get caught up in the, in the, in the fluctuations of, of the given commodities, trying to pick up the next hot metal. I'm much more focused on, on backing high-quality management teams at reasonable valuations, focusing on high-quality prod- projects that should work at current spot prices. And so, you know, if, if, if there's a great team that I know well and have made money before or with, and they're working on a good asset and I can get in relatively early and they're focused on, say, a gold, a gold project, and I'm not particularly hot on gold for whatever reason at that moment, I'm not going to turn down the, the investment just, just for that perspective. So I, I think I really want to make that, that clear. That said, I mean, in terms of the metals that if this kind of euphoric sentiment continues in the market, I'd name a couple of the battery metals that have yet to really run. So I, I think potentially uh, vanadium. Uh, I think there's a good a good uh, narrative there, um, especially for. And the what would be driving that? Those are that's used for large uh, storage, uh, right? Electricity. So what would drive that? Like the charging stations for the EV revolution? Is that how you would see that? The use for that? Well, the funny thing is, for the foreseeable future, here for years, the vanadium market really is uh, contingent on uh, steel, on on the steel industry as as an additive, and so I think. In some ways, it's it's almost a misconception. Like if you're betting on vanadium right now, you, you're you're betting more on the steel market than you are on batteries future. That said, the the narrative is pretty sexy, and so we could get to the point where we start seeing the speculative attention that we saw in the last vanadium uh, run up. Uh, I believe in the, in the 2017 era, and and you know vanadium got up to as close close to thirty five dollars a pound. Um, during its last, you know, speculative flurry of attention, I think we're down to five or, or six dollars per per pound at, at the moment. Um, so I think that's that's a metal that that you could see move, and then and then cobalt cobalt as well is is, is another one. Um, you know, the cobalt narrative has really been hurt in recent years by kind of the coming realization um, that uh, battery makers are transitioning from you know the typical cathode that would be say one third cobalt one third nickel one third manganese so now very rich or co- uh, sorry nickel rich cathodes at the expense of, of both of those other two metals um, there are quite a few reasons for that but it's it's, it's happening so I think that's kind of rained on cobalt's parade 
Um, that said, I'm not anticipating battery makers ever being able to get cobalt out of, out of their batteries entirely. Maybe I shouldn't say ever, but at least in the next 10 or 15 years. And so I still think cobalt is an important uh, metal in, in the mix um, for, for, for the elect- electrification's future. And uh, we haven't seen the same speculative attention paid to it over the past year that we have, say, copper or, uh, or, or nickel. Matt, your website. Or uranium, for that matter. Yes. Matt, your website is mjgcapital.com. If someone wants to get in contact with you, would that be the best means? Yep, that works. There's a contact uh, page right there. Um, they can also reach out by email. My email is uh, matt at mjgcapital.com. Um, and especially if somebody wants to get on the distribution list ahead of the investor letter, um, feel free to reach reach out. Also, if you want to talk uh, any of these holdings or, or about the sector uh, generally, I'm, I'm always happy to do that. Love talking shop. All right. And I'll put Matt's website, the link in the show notes. So you can click that if you're listening in audio or on YouTube. Matt, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concommitment with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.